Thank you for listening to the New Life Church podcast. If you need any information about our church or if you'd like to give online, please visit us at newlifekingman.com. They were in a prayer meeting. And that prayer meeting, they had worship involved. And what they were praying about was there was a little boy about four years old. He had gotten food poisoning. And the doctors had given one day to live. That's how bad it was. And so the congregation came together and they began to pray. And God downloaded that song into their lives. And they began to sing that song out. And in spite of what the world said, in spite of what the doctors said, in spite of what the circumstances said, they raised that hallelujah. They began to worship God. They began to tell him he was worthy. They began to bring the presence of God in. And that happened two years ago. And I'm here to tell you, the little boy is six years old. He's alive. He's well. Because our God is worthy. Raise it up today. Raise the hallelujah. Raise it up. He's worthy. He's worthy. He's worthy. He's worthy. He's worthy. He's worthy. Oh, church, let me tell you something. This is what we do. This is how we fight the battle. This is how we fight the battle. And the devil can't stand in this. He can't stand. He's heading for the hills. He's, he's running. He can't stand. Because where there is worship, where there is praise, there is the presence of God. And every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess to that name. Can you say amen? amen. Say amen. amen. Say it again. Amen. amen. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Isn't God good? We're going to have a great day today. This is your day. Tell your neighbor, this is my day. This is my day. This is my day. Amen. You could be seated this morning. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Wow. What a great song service that was. Can you say amen? Uh, You know, that song was such an appropriate song for this sermon. Amen. I am, uh, this morning we're going to put the uh, finishing uh, touches on this series that we started uh, five weeks ago called The Way of the Overcomer. And I couldn't think of a better song. To be honest with you, I didn't know Jay was going to do this today. He didn't know I was finishing the series. And so God did though. I love it when God orchestrates stuff. Amen. Now we have, uh, this morning we've in the last five weeks, we've covered some pretty significant ground in this series. You know, we've, we've come to understand some things. We've come to understand that we are, in fact, more than conquerors in Christ Jesus. We are more than conquerors. Look at victory is our identity. Conquering is our identity. We are more than conquerors. It's not, it's not an option. It's a birthright. Are you hearing what I'm saying? It is our identity. You are more than a conqueror. We also found out that there is great power in the blood of Jesus and that we have been given the right, the privilege, the authority to argue or to plead the blood of Jesus over every circumstance, every situation. You say, well, I, you know, I, the only situation I have is my checkbook don't have enough money in it. Then look at that checkbook, put your hand on it and go, I plead the blood of Jesus over you. Amen. Amen. When you walk into your house, put your hands on the doorway and go, I plead the blood of Jesus over this home. If you've got a, a husband that's not acting right, when he's asleep, put your hands on his head. I plead the blood of, actually take a pillow, put, no, no, I'm just, I, I, plead the blood of Jesus. Plead the blood. Plead the blood of Jesus. We also found out that our testimony can change everything. 
that our testimony is the, it, you know, the testimonies of Jesus are the, the spirit of prophecy, that, that there is prophetic power in our testimony. And then we found out last week that we need the right priorities in this life. And when we order our priorities right, when we seek first the kingdom of God, that automatically brings victory. Are you hearing what I'm saying? So this morning, what I want to do is I want to finish this series by giving you some practical steps for everyday victory. How many know that we can have victory every day? The victory is not something that comes around every now and then. It's, it's here. It's ours. It's ours all the time. Someone once asked General Douglas MacArthur what the most important lesson a soldier could learn in fighting war. And Douglas MacArthur replied, he must learn quickly that there is no substitute for victory. Amen. Amen. We're not in this to call a draw. We're not in this for second place. Amen. We win. We win. That's who we are. It's our victory. And the problem is, is that so many Christians are living so far beneath that victory. And that's why we've got to pay attention to this. This is why we have to get this inside us. We have to, you know, if, it, we, if I could be so um, uh, bold as to say that we really have got to drill this into our thinking. We cannot accept anything less. Nothing less. Nothing less than victory. See, because there is no statement that has ever been uttered that is more true about the Christian life than that one. Victory, we should settle for nothing less. There is no substitute for victory. Every day should be filled with victory. Not because we're such great warriors. Not because we're all that. But because of one reason. And this is the reason. Because Jesus has so completely given us victory in every area of life. We can't help but win. Jesus, the Bible says in Hebrews that he saves to the uttermost. And you say, well, what does that mean? That means as far and as much as it takes. It is complete. It is not lacking. It is not limited. It is not halfway. It's not just enough. It is complete. Can you say amen? Amen. Victory should be every day. So I want, to, I want to take you on a journey, if I can, just for a little bit, because this sermon's going to be very practical in nature. But I want to look at our text in John chapter 16, verse 33. It says these words, Jesus speaking to his disciples. He says, these things I have spoken to you that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. Now Jesus is saying a lot in this one verse. He's telling us, he's, he's telling us, he's saying, look it, I have spoken this, I've spoke the truth to you, I've been clear with you, I, I have given it to you honestly, so that you could be joyful, that you would have hope and joy and peace and all those things. And he said, listen, in this world, you will have tribulation. He does not deny the reality of difficult days or setbacks or hardships or any of those things. He says, look, in this world, that's a part of life. That is in this world. He says, but, he says, he goes, because I want you to be of good cheer. He goes, because I have overcome the world. In other words, I, the, in the literal translation of this is I've denied it the right to harm you. 
And so what he's saying is, because I'm, I'm, not, I'm not, you know, whitewashing this for you. It's not all just, you know, hold hands, sing kumbaya. He says, you know what, somewhere along the line, you're going to face difficulty, but that's okay because I've overcome the world. In other words, I've provided for that trouble. I've made a way through that storm. I am there. I have denied it. It's power to harm you. Can you say amen? amen. Now, I want to say something to you very uh, important, and I, I want to I say this emphatically. And so the only way I could say this emphatically to you is to say, I'm going to say it emphatically to you, okay? This is really important, really important. Here's the statement. We must learn to be deliberate. We must, when it comes to the subject of victory, maintaining and getting and keeping the victory, we must learn to engage. Here's the problem with Christians. You say, how do you know the problems with Christians? Because I've been one for 47 years. And here's the problem. We tend to just drift. We tend to float. We tend to just coast. We wait for these very special days. We hope that one day, I've always threatened to get a t-shirt that says one day, because we're always waiting for one day. How many know what I'm talking about? That one day, I'm gonna be set free. One day, I'm gonna have victory. One day, I'm going to be blessed. One day, I'm going to have a calling of God. One day, I'm going to be something. Are you hearing me? Well, let me tell you something. If you're waiting, you're going to wait a long time. You go, well, what what does it mean? The Bible says to wait on Jesus. Yes, it does. But waiting on Jesus does not mean that you continue in the same things you've always done, sitting in your lazy boy, hoping that one day something's going to change. We have to engage. See, we must, this morning, refuse the luxury of hiding. We must refuse the luxury of running away or ignoring. This is what I see all the time in Christianity. We have been given such wonderful weapons. We've been given power, we've been given authority, we've been given the name of Jesus, we've been given the blood of Jesus, we've been given the word, we've been given, you know, the Holy Spirit, on and on and on. We have all these wonderful things, these tools, these abilities given to us through Christ, in Christ. We have them, they're in us. Yet all the time what we do is when we get ourselves in trouble, when we find ourselves in crisis, when, when we have a bad day, maybe you're frustrated, maybe your day ain't going the way you want it to. Maybe there's some frustration. Maybe you get angry. Maybe you get tempted. Maybe you're just bummed out. Maybe you looked in the mirror and you didn't like what you saw. I don't know what it is. But what happens is we have a tendency to run into the things that are destroying us, that bring us to the place where we don't like ourselves. We go back to old sins, we go back to old habits, we go back to idleness, we go back to just sitting around, we just sit there and we go, you know what, just whatever, and we're waiting on God. We run in, and it can be as benign as overwatching TV all the way to drug addiction and worse. We run back into it, hoping that this time that will solve the problem. And you know what? We never have a solved problem. So what are you saying, Pastor? I'm saying what we have to do is engage. 
What I'm saying we have to do is we have to rise up in the midst of our bad mood, our frustration, our anger, in the midst of our temptation, in the midst of our depression and sorrow and grief, in the midst of our weakness, we got to rise up and engage. Now, I'll be the first one to tell you, and I've told my wife this. I told her this just the other day driving down the road. I says, if it's up to me to engage, I just don't know if it's getting done. I was falling victim to my own sermon. But what we have to do is engage. He said, what do you mean? What, we mean? what I mean is what we have to do is say, look at devil, I'm not gonna take this anymore. I'm saying no. No. No, you're not gonna tempt me. I'm not falling for the fried ice cream anymore. I've done this over and over and over again and it gets me nowhere. In fact, what you do is I fall for your temptation and then you heap a bunch of shame on me. I ain't going for it no more. I ain't doing it. We're gonna have to get resolved. We gotta quit selling ourselves a bill of goods that this time it's gonna be different or it just don't matter. It matters, your life matters. Are you hearing what I'm saying? You make a difference. So no, I don't. Yeah, to your family you make a difference. To the people around you, the ones that love you, you make a huge difference. But somewhere in the, Lord, in the, in the, in the way, what we do is we run, we hide. We don't engage. And you will never know victory if you don't engage. If you just simply wait, you're gonna be waiting a long time. There has, why, why do you say that? How do you know that? Hebrews chapter 11, verse six. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. For you must be a believer, of, you must believe that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. What does that mean? Faith is an action. Faith is doing something about what you believe. It's engaging. I believe he is victorious. I believe he lives in me. Therefore, his victory, his life in me equals I'm victorious. Therefore, I believe that and I'm going to engage. Are you hearing what I'm saying? So this morning, what I want to do is take just a few minutes of your time. And I want to show you seven things that I believe will help us to engage. It's not going to be a long sermon because we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna get wild here in a minute. You go, oh God, what's happening? Just relax. It's going to be okay. It's going to be all right. You'll live through it. <laughs> People start leaving. No, no, no. Number one. We need to learn to focus on God's power or the size of God's power rather than the size of our problem. You know, isn't that so true what we do? We, we are, as humans, we have this uncanny ability to fixate on the negative. We love the negative. Love it. I'm telling you, I could get up, we could get up here and go, you know what? We have supported the largest church in Iraq Yay! Did you hear about Pastor Poole? What? No, no, tell me. We'll fixate on negative. We love negative. Negative sells. That's how they sell newspapers. That's how they sell the news. It's negative. And if it ain't negative enough, we will spin it to make it more negative. Come on. We will even come up with Bible scriptures to prove that it's negative. 
and we will fixate on the problem and we will cause that problem to grow to where it becomes overwhelming and it begins to take on a life of itself and we don't even know what to do anymore because we have caused that thing to grow. We will get frustrated. One little tiny nothing frustration becomes a, a hairy leg, green eyed monster that's eating our lunch. Right? I know it's a little graphic, but I'm trying to paint a picture. Listen, God is much bigger than your obstacle. I don't care what your obstacle is. God is bigger than your obstacle. God's power is greater than the power of what's coming against you. Are you hearing me? And somewhere, the God, the unknowable God, the unsearchable, the, the unfathomable God lives inside us. Do we believe the Bible? Absolutely, I believe the Bible. Then engage. Engage, you win. And somewhere, what you gotta do is focus on God's power rather than the power or the size of your problem. I don't care if it's big or small, God is able. Not only is he able, he's willing. The leper came to Jesus and said, if you want to, you could make me clean. And Jesus said, I want to. The virtue of the fact that Jesus Christ submitted to the breaking and the ripping and the tearing of his body, the crushing of his body through his crucifixion for our healing, demonstrates his want to. I want to heal you. I so much want to heal you, I paid the price for your healing. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Focus on God's power. Number two, trust in God's plan when it, even, when it doesn't even make sense. I'm gonna tell you something, not a lot of God's plans are gonna make sense to you. Get used to that. I mean, I love the story of Gideon. Gave him a lamp, a pitcher, and a horn. You're going to have victory with that. What? Doesn't make sense, does it? It just doesn't make sense. God always comes up with wild stuff. And somewhere, what we have to do is learn to trust. See, now this is where I'm at. I'll be honest with you, this is where I'm at because God is making me live right now in a passage of Scripture, two verses. Well, it's actually about five, but the two I'm gonna share with you is in Proverbs chapter three, five and six. It says this, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not to your own understanding. Acknowledge him in all your ways and he will direct your path. Now, that's where I, I'll be honest with you because I'm a very logical guy. I've said this before, and I like things categorically logical, time frames, all, you know, A, B, C, D. I like that stuff. But God doesn't show up like that, and oftentimes he puts me in situations where I have to, I, I have to trust him. And he says, trust me with all of your heart. And I said, God, I don't know how to do that. He goes, well, I told you. And I said, well, how, what did you say? You said, I, I, I said, don't lean to your own understanding. Stop trying to figure it out. Stop, stop trying to manipulate it. Do you, do you know worry and fear is just a form of manipulation? It's your attempt to do something. Oh, I gotta figure this out. I, I just, you're trying to figure it out. You're trying to, you're trying to get ahead of it. God says, you're not gonna get ahead of it. Trust me with all your heart. 
Don't lean to your own understanding. And then here's this, acknowledge me in all your way. In other words, God, I see you in this. God, I acknowledge you're in it. Even though it looks dark, it looks confusing, it looks hard, I don't know what. Jesus was in the boat in the storm. They thought they were gonna drown. Jesus is right there asleep. Don't you care? They're trying to figure it out, they're bailing. Well, somebody's gotta do something. No, nobody doesn't have to do anything. What we really need to do is trust him. Acknowledge him, you're in this with me, God. You said, Father, that you would never leave me or forsake me. You said in Isaiah 41, that, in 10, that you would hold me with your righteous right hand. You said that, not me, God. And he says, and then when you get there, I will order every step you take if you trust me. Number three, see the supernatural in every situation. This is probably where the church has been, been hindered the most. The church has, 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 has given away the supernatural. We've, what we've done is the church has become so afraid, so convinced of the devil's ability to corrupt, and so unconvinced of, the devil, of God's ability to keep. Do you understand that everything the devil does has no originality in it? It is a perversion of something God has already done. Do you understand that? Everything, everything the devil does. Now I'm not saying that we walk through life willy-nilly and we don't pay attention and that we're not aware. That would be unwise. But what I'm talking about today is that oftentimes God will do things that are supernatural. That means they're unexplainable, they're beyond our natural ability. And sometimes he will do stuff like that so that we can have the victory. But church, when we become afraid of the supernatural, it produces in us a perspective that we are on our own. What it does is it says, I have got to get this done. You can't get it done. What I need is I need a supernatural God with a supernatural power, with a supernatural word. I need a God that can go beyond me. But if I'm afraid that every time he goes beyond me that I won't understand it or somehow I'm gonna get lost in the devil, then somewhere along the line I begin to build walls and, and strongholds against the supernatural moving of God. Now church, I'm not talking about you just being goofy. I'm not talking about walking into abuse. Pastor Harry Hills used to always tell me this. I would ask him all the time about the supernatural, and this is what he would tell me. He goes, John, he goes, the, 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 the uh, uh, antidote to abuse is the instruction of proper use. It's not that we throw the baby without, out the, with the bathwater. It's not that we get rid of it and go, look, that's just too much. I don't know about the Holy Spirit. I don't know about all of that stuff and speaking in tongues and, and prophesying and all of that. I don't understand it, so let's just not do it. That's the baby without, out the, with the bathwater. Right. What we do is we learn, we grow. What we do is we come to a place and say, you know what, God, you're in this and I trust you. Yeah. And we let him move. Will we make mistakes? Absolutely. You will make mistakes. But he's a good God. He's a good father. He'll, you know what, that's like asking if Oliver's gonna make mistakes. They're going to. 
They're just, that's what they do. They're little. That's how they learn. And good parents go, no, don't do that. Come back over here. And somehow we feel like God's up in heaven going, well, they're going sideways. Told you, Gabriel. What are you going to do with those Pentecostals? Number four. Number four. Surround yourself with other believers committed to the same goal. Listen, you need us. I need you. We need one another. There was a time in David's life when he fought the bear and the lion and ultimately led to fighting Goliath and he won. But there came another time in David's life, this great warrior that faced off with Goliath's brothers. And if it would not have been for his friends, he would have died that day. See, church, what happens is when we get into these battles, we get into these fights, what we do is isolate. And the reason that we isolate is because the devil loves to throw a thing on us called shame. See, that's what he did with Adam and Eve. Adam and Eve sinned. They did wrong. They made a mistake. They blew it. They discovered they were naked, and the Bible says they became ashamed. In other words, in the midst of their sin, their sin revealed their vulnerability. And then the devil throws this shame, and so what did they do? They hid. When somebody's hiding or avoiding or isolating, guess what? They're in trouble. That's why we've got to resist that. That's why you have friends that can come to you and go, hey man, I've been there. I heard a great story. Great story. There's a guy that finds himself in a deep hole. He's down at the bottom of this hole and he's looking up trying to find somebody that'll help. And one day, this guy walks by. He's a doctor. And the man calls out to him and says, could you please help me? I'm stuck. I'm in this hole. And so what the doctor does is writes him a prescription and throws it down in the hole. A little bit later, the man's still stuck in the hole. A priest walks by. Or let's just, let's not even go there. Let's just say a Christian walks by. Say, hey, can you help me out? And the guy writes out a prayer and throws it down in the hole. A little while later, the guy's still stuck in the hole. He sees his friend come by and goes, hey, Joe, can you help me out? And Joe jumps down in the hole. He goes, are you stupid? Now we're both stuck. Joe says, no, no, I've been here before and I know the way out. That's what we need. That's why we come together. Number five. Keep putting one step in front of the other, consistently making progress. In other words, that's a fancy way of saying don't stop. I I, I used to love, Pastor Howard used to always say this. He would say, when going through hell, don't stop. It's amazing how many of us go through hell and we camp out in the middle of it. Kathy and I, a few years back, had opportunity to drive in the summer, July, drive through Death Valley. 123 degrees at the bottom. 123, that's hot. We didn't stop. We kept on driving. But it's just insane. How many of us will just stop? We'll just stop. That's it. That's it. I tried that Christianity stuff. That would be like me getting to the middle of Death Valley and going, I am so tired of this desert. I'm getting out of my car. 
What? What? Why would you get out of your car? Why would you stop and make camp? It's hot. It's hell. Don't stop. Keep going. Make progress. Make decisions that keep you going. Say, you know what? I am mad. I'm angry. I don't like it, but I'm getting up and I'm doing it anyway. Nobody's saying deny what you feel. Validate what you feel, but understand what you feel is temporary and it's changing. You might not feel this way tomorrow. Never make decisions with your feelings. You know why? It's kind of like sailing a ship in a storm with the sails up. When you make decisions in the midst of the storm, it's like putting all your sails up. It'll rip the mast off for you. The best thing to do is batten down the hatches and ride it out. Just get on through. Keep moving forward. Choose every day to honor the Holy Spirit's lead in your life. Don't give up when you're frustrated. Fight. Number six, usher in the blessings of God by obeying his instructions. This is the problem. We, we, so many times we take God as if that his instructions are just an opinion. Like, like, look at, and, and I'm, please, I'm not picking on anybody. I really am not. I, I can honestly tell you that I want to help you here. But there is a resistance to worship. What you doing, Pastor? Worshiping. Worship is the fruit of your lips. You got to sing. It says, lift up holy hands without wrath and doubting. Why? Because there's something in the act. I don't understand it. Don't know why. I can't tell you the mechanics behind it. All I could tell you is that that's what God said to do. He said in Psalm 150, let everything that has breath praise the Lord. But we'll come in and we won't worship. We ought to be gangbusters when it comes to worship. Why? Because his presence comes in. He begins to move. Well, I don't feel good. Worship. Well, we had a fight in the parking lot. Worship. My kids are going sideways. My kids. Worship. Go in your kid's bedroom when they're sleeping and worship in there. Walk in there and just say, Jesus, I worship you. I thank you. I glorify you. I magnify you. You are God. You are the King of kings and the Lord of lords. There's none like you in all the earth. Would you come to church, sing with a loud voice? Why? I don't know why. I don't know. He just said to do it. And I just know when we do it, he comes on the scene. And that's really all that matters. And there's so many other things that we tend to, it's like, well, that just, you know, that don't work for me. As if it were his opinion. No, it's his command. It's his instruction. It's what he tells us to do. Are you hearing me? And then finally, expect to see the victory no matter what. Do you remember the story of Elijah? Do you remember Elijah in the Old Testament? This is a guy that I love. I admire him because Elijah was one of the most powerful prophets. But yet, Elijah, I find my life a lot, you know, I can be under the oak tree going, God, just kill me now. 
I can. I've been in, I've been in, I've been, I've ran. And Elijah did all the above. He did. But there was one moment in his life that was really incredible. Do you remember when, you know, King Ahab and Queen Jezebel, they're running the uh, Israel and I mean, they are just running amok. They got the prophets of Baal going. They got idol worship and they got all this stuff going. They've basically completely divorced themselves from God. And somewhere in the midst of this, God begins to move upon Elijah and Elijah prays and there's no rain for three and a half years. Three and a half years, it doesn't rain. It ushers in a famine. There's a drought. There's all kinds of difficulty going on. And then one day, Elijah shows up and it's the showdown at OK Corral. You remember the story? Elijah challenges the prophets of Baal, some 400 prophets. And he says, I'll tell you what, the God that answers by fire, let him be God. And it pleased everyone. It pleased him. And so the prophets of Baal, they jumped and gyrated and cut themselves all the way until evening and nothing happened, no fire fell. Then Elijah repairs the altar of the Lord. And he simply says, Father, show him your God. And fire falls. We know the story. But there's another part of the story that I want you to see. 1 Kings 18, 42, this is right after that moment. Right after Elijah takes care of business. It says, and so Ahab went up to eat and drink, and Elijah went to the top of Carmel. Then he bowed down on the ground and put his face between his knees and said to his servants, go up now, look toward, to his servant, go up now and look toward the sea. So he went up and looked and said, there's nothing. And seven times he said, go again. Then it came to pass the seventh time that he said, there is a cloud as small as a man's hand rising out of the sea. So he said, go up, say to Ahab, prepare your chariot and go down before the rain stops you. Now it will happen in the meantime that, now it happened in the meantime that the sky became black with clouds and wind and there was a heavy rain. So Ahab rode away and went to Jezreel. Then the hand of the Lord came upon Elijah and he girded up his loins and he ran ahead of Ahab to the entrance of Jezreel. Now there's a lot going on in this story. But what I want you to see is here's the man of God. They're in crisis. They're in crisis. There's a famine, there's a drought, there's idol worship, there's sin of all kinds, debauchery, all kinds of stuff. There's things, but they have a moment of victory. God shows up in a powerful way. But right after that moment, we find Elijah on the Mount of Carmel. And the Bible says that he has his face between his knees. In other words, he's in a position of travail. It's the position that a woman would take in those days to birth a child. Are you catching that? And he's praying. And he says to his servant, go look towards the sea and see if anything's happening. And the first time he went, nothing. The second time, nothing. Third time, Nothing. Fourth time. Nothing. Fifth time. No dice. Sixth time. Nothing. What are you expecting, Elijah? I, I don't even know what I'm looking for. Go again. Look. Seventh time he comes back and he says, all I see is this little tiny cloud about the size of my hand coming out of the sea. And Elijah says, that's it, man. 
That's it. That's the victory. You go tell Ahab he better get his chariot moving because if he don't, he's going to be flooded out. And there was a great victory. Drought and famine ended. God came back on the throne. Something happened. The problem is, church, <coughs> most of the time we just don't expect victory. Most of the time we get to one, two, three, four, maybe five, and we go, that's it, I'm out. It must not be God's will to heal. It must not be God's will to provide. It must not be God's will to deliver. It must not be God's will to do anything in my life. I'm out. You need to go to the seventh time. And let me say this, you need to go to the 77th time. I'll go so far to say you need to go to the 777th time. No, no, it's 7,777 times. No, no, 77,777 times. No, 777,777. Seven million, are you getting the point? You go until victory shows up because you are victorious. That's what this is about. Jesus gave us victory. It's mine. So I've asked the worship team to come back and we're gonna sing that song, Raise a Hallelujah. I don't want you to stand, I want you to just sit. And I want you to just put your mind on this. And I want you to think and I want you to pray because some of you have issues in this place. Some of you have problems and difficulties and situations in this place and we're gonna believe God. We're gonna believe God. So let's sing this out because some of you need this and you need right now to cry out hallelujah. Let's sing it out. Darkness flee. I raise a 
Lord, we come boldly before your throne. God, with faith, God, deliberately, intentionally, we engage right now in this battle. Lord, we, we lay a hold of the promise, God, that comes from your word. Lord, whatever our need is, God, well, there is a promise. We receive it right now in Jesus' name. And Lord, in the name of Jesus, by the power of the blood of Jesus, we break every stronghold. We break every chain. Uh, we bind every disease. Uh, we take authority over sickness. Uh, we declare healing. Uh, we declare abundance. Uh, we declare freedom in the name of Jesus. Uh, right now, Father, we are you are the miracle worker. We trust you. Uh, we stand upon you we receive it every person that's in this room every person that's watching online right now in Jesus name you're healed you're delivered you're set free you have more than enough God is God in your life he is the King of Kings he is the Lord of Lords tell him right now raise up your voice and tell him thank you thank you Jesus we glorify you we magnify you in this place we love you Jesus we love you. We love you. We praise you, Jesus. We praise you, Jesus. Hallelujah. 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 Now listen, let me tell you something. I'll, I'll say this specifically to the people in the altar, but for everybody that's here. Let me tell you something. I know it sounds weird. You need to, you need to find that song online, or you need to find that song on a CD, or, or whatever. However you got to do it, YouTube, whatever. And when you feel down, you need to listen to that song and you need to start raising a hallelujah. You know what you need to do? You need to find God's word. You need to find that. Say, God, ask him. Say, God, show me a word. Give me a verse where I can live in it. God, where I can live in it. Lord, my verse, my verse. And then speak to me, God. Touch me, minister to me. If you'll gauge, you'll win. You'll win. We got to break the stronghold of the devil. The devil has lied too long. He's lied too long. We're done with his lies. And we're trusting him. Can you say amen? Now I know, look at, I know that there are people that have gotten healed in this room right now. There are people that miracles have happened right now. You've been delivered. You've been set free. There's hope. There's hope for you. There's freedom for your family. He said, well, you know what? I'm here alone don't matter. It came to you. It came to you. You're the vessel of that freedom now. You're the vessel of that hope. You're the vessel of that deliverance. You go home. You testify. Speak. See, you don't have to just testify to a person. You can go in your home and say, home, you're going to be a place of freedom. You know what? You're going to be abundant. There's going to be the presence of God here. Declare. You are ambassadors for Christ. That means that you have all the power of heaven and earth invested in you to speak and to declare the word of God in any situation. And that's what you need to do. That's what you need to do. Wow. As I look around this room, there are miracles in this room. Miracles in this room. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hang on just for a moment. Hallelujah. Jesus, right now. 
so right now I just feel there's been a scripture that's been on my heart and I don't know it by heart because I'm just hopping up here real fast but it's uh, Romans 8.15 and it's talking about how we are his children and that we were not given a spirit of fear And there's been an overwhelming sense that so many of us, we understand, we understand what's being told to us. We understand that through God, anything is possible, but it's, but it's not in our hearts. It's in our heads. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. And I just know, I just know for our church, it's going to unlock when we are able to see ourselves in heaven. We are able to understand God's love. We are able to understand what it's like to be in His embrace, in the embrace of a father right now, right now. So what I want you guys to do is I all want you to start praying, talking out loud right now. I just want you to start, if that's singing or whatever that is, right now, Jesus. Jesus, right now, right now, God. He loves us so much and He says, come here, my child. Come here, my child. He wants to pick you up and He wants to hold you. He wants to hold you. I'm sorry that that's happened to you. I'm sorry that there's pain, but right now we declare an overwhelming, overflowing encounter with His love. What is it like to be loved like that? What is it like to be loved so purely right now, God? Overwhelm right now, overflow right now into our hearts right now, God, Jesus, right now. Right now we're pressing in. I want to hear you guys talking to Him. Love me, God, pick me up, God, right now. Jesus, just come down into our spirits, Lord. Show us what it's like to be loved by you, God. Loved by you, God. Some of you guys are like, I've never felt that before. I've never felt that before. And he says, I want to show you how much I love you. I want to show you how much I love you. Right now, Jesus, just invade this place, God. Invade this place right now, Jesus. Holy Spirit, invade this place. Jesus, we're reaching up and we're calling out to you right now. Invade this place with your love right now, Jesus. Right now, Jesus. Right now, God, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Father, we give it to you today. We thank you, God. We thank you for what you've accomplished today. Oh, thank you, Jesus, for helping us. Thank you, Lord. Cause this to go forward in power. Lord, we seal it today in the name of Jesus. Amen. Praise God. Isn't God good this morning? Hallelujah. Praise God. You know what? This morning... If they can, the prayer team's going to be up here. Uh, we're going to release it. Hey, look, on the as you're going out, we have these left. They're packets of five. I think there's only like about eight of them back there. If you could take them and go put them on a door in your neighborhood, that'd be great. Don't forget to come at 4 o'clock today to the park and just fellowship with us. God bless you. You're free to go. You have a great day. Thank you for listening to the New Life Kingman podcast can't wait to see you next week.